This audio production is brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com, David Wolf's premium longevity member site. The content found on TheBestDayEver.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Rebecca Gauthier, and I have the distinct pleasure of being here with Dr. Sarah Gottfried, who teaches men and women how to balance their hormones naturally so they can rock their mission, longevity, and relationships. She's a Harvard-educated physician, speaker, and author of The Hormone Cure, Reclaim Balance, Sleep, Sex Drive, and Vitality Naturally with the Gottfried Protocol, published by Simon & Schuster this year. She's regularly featured in magazines such as O Magazine, Men's Health, Glamour, Yoga Journal, and has appeared on television including The Ricky Lake Show and 2020. She's also been a featured speaker at the Women's Wellness Conference and this year's Longevity Now Conference. Dr. Sarah, it is such a pleasure to have you with us here today. Welcome. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm really happy to be with you and with everybody. So let's go ahead and dive right in. We had a lot of questions that people posted, they were hoping that I'd get a chance to ask you. So let's go ahead and start with perimenopause. Can you dispel some of the myths associated with perimenopause and what happens and what you discuss in your book, The Hormone Cure? Sure. Well, this is chapter three of my book. And as a woman of a certain age, and I'm talking here about ages 35 to 55, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And I I think one of the myths is that you don't have to worry about it until your period actually stops. You know, that's certainly what I thought when I was in my 20s and 30s. But it turns out that your hormones change way before that. They start to change in your early 30s. And the more that you're proactive and not reactive, the easier it's going to be. So I would say myth number one is that you don't have to worry about this until you're 50, 55. The average age for menopause is 51. And the truth is that this starts to change in your 30s. It starts with low progesterone. And you can manage this very carefully and proactively. Another big myth with perimenopause is that it's normal or natural to lose your sex drive. And while it's certainly the case that some women lose their sex drive and Maybe it doesn't cause distress for them. I think the truth is that it's a choice. It's a choice. So you either decide that you want to continue to grow and mature in terms of your sexuality or you choose to have that slow decline. But I think it's important to realize that you're making a choice. So those are some of the myths of perimenopause. I could probably go on forever, but I want to make sure we get to as many questions as possible. In that section of your book, you talk about how the Chinese character for crisis means both danger and opportunity. Can you talk about how this relates to perimenopause? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, you know, this idea of the Chinese character for crisis is something that I learned from Al Gore. So let me just first say that, you know, that's not my own idea. It's something that I learned from him. But when I heard him talk about it in the context of climate change, 
and the global crisis that we're in, I realized that global warming is definitely something that many women in perimenopause start to experience inside their bodies. <laughs> you know, they have hot flashes and night sweats, and it feels like your own personal global warming crisis. So that's where the connection to the Chinese character came in. And what I think is important is to realize that for some women who are going through perimenopause, it can feel like every day is a crisis, or it can feel like one day you wake up in a crisis and the next day you feel perfectly calm. And what you lose is sort of the consistency of how you feel day to day. And rather than pathologizing that, I think it's important to understand that it's this great opportunity. It's an opportunity to get to know your body, to step into attunement, to help to get your hormones working for you, not against you. So that's what I mean by the idea that this is an opportunity and, uh, you know, not just, not just sort of the negative tendencies that we tend to associate with perimenopause. Having a positive outlook is definitely important. And you speak about meditation a lot in your book. Can you talk about that role that plays in hormone balance in general, but specifically with perimenopause as well? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I think there's so many different ways to develop your mindfulness, to develop what I would call coherence, kind of the the connection between your heart and your mind. And I'm a big fan of developing this side of yourself, which some people think of as kind of the witness, the the sense of being able to observe yourself and to rise above the fray. And I can tell you as a woman in perimenopause, the fray is where many of us hang out. And so we want to rise above it whenever we can so that you're not just buffeted by the changes that occur every day, hormonally, emotionally, psychologically, physically, but you're actually feeling like you have a sense of control and that the locus of control is internal. So that's where meditation comes in. But I can also tell you, Rebecca, that I have men and women who come to see me and they know I'm a yoga teacher and they'll just, you know, look me straight in the eye at the beginning of our conversation and say, look, I'm not a meditator. I'm not a yoga person. I'm not going to do those things. So let's not even go there. And I totally respect that. I mean, there's many different ways that you can develop this witness consciousness. I happen to practice yoga, but I also take a hot bath or I call a girlfriend or I, I do the inner balance app on my iPhone. These are all different ways that you can hit the pause button. And what I would love for our listeners is not to say, you know, you must meditate. It's the only way that you can get through the hormonal changes that happen for both men and women. But I would love for our listeners to say, okay, here's my top three list of how I like to hit the pause button or how I like to develop that witness consciousness. Those are some really great tips. And for those of you that have Dr. Sarah's book, The Hormone Cure, in the section on high and or low cortisol, she gives five proven mind-body practices that regulate cortisol, which we'll be talking more about in a moment, and a stunningly simple meditation technique. So whether you're into meditation or not, it's definitely something that can help, and she does also give other things that you can do to work with your hormones in general and focus on cortisol specifically. There's just so many incredible tools contained within this book. 
I just have to take a moment to say that for me, this is the hormone Bible. You've managed to take complex information and present it in a way that's accessible to anyone. I'm not a scientist. I'm a regular person that's in the alternative health industry. And I found your book incredibly helpful personally. And I know that our listeners will too. It's such a phenomenal resource. Thank you for putting it together. Oh, Rebecca, thank you so much. That means a lot to me, especially knowing how much you know about hormones and how to balance them naturally. That just means the world to me. Thank you. Yeah, it's such a great, great resource. It's so comprehensive. And I think, you know, the fact that you have worked with so many women has given you the opportunity to really put together your Gottfried protocol based on what you've seen for yourself. You talk about how in your book, in this country, the average doctor's appointment is seven minutes long. And you also mention how women's health issues are oftentimes complex and take time to decode. How did you begin to develop this unique approach based on what you saw in your own practice? Well, you know, I take care of both men and women now, but I started off as a board-certified gynecologist. But really what got me to develop this protocol, this three-step progressive method to balance your hormones naturally, was my own crisis with my hormones. So this actually dates back to when I was in my 30s. I was in my mid-30s. I was a working mom with two kids. And I was just a total stress case, Rebecca. I had PMS. I had low sex drive. I was carrying around about 25 pounds more weight than I have right now. and Uh, I just felt like I was pushing a rock up a hill. Life just felt a lot harder than it needed to be. And I, I had a bit of a victim mindset, you know, kind of blaming external factors. You know, I didn't like my job at the HMO. I didn't like seeing 30 patients a day, blah, blah, blah. And when I went to my doctor, I had a defining moment because as I explained my symptoms to him, he actually offered me a couple of things. He said, why don't you go on this birth control pill? Because it sounds like you're hormonal. And then he said, while you're at it, why don't you take this antidepressant? At the time, it was Prozac. And then the third thing he said for my exercise and eating and the weight that I was lugging around, he said, you know, you need to exercise more and eat less. And that was a defining moment because I, I just felt stunned by his words. I was grateful to him because he he got me thinking about, okay, maybe my problem is hormonal, and clearly the answers that we have for women, things like birth control pills and antidepressants, are not meeting that gap, so let's come up with some new solutions. And that's when I I started developing my protocol. I, I thought that I had a hormone problem. Turns out that's absolutely the problem that I was that I was struggling with, I had high cortisol and it was also slowing down my thyroid and causing estrogen dominance. And when I fixed that, when I corrected it in one month, it just made a dramatic turnaround for me. I lost 25 pounds. I did it with a lot of ease. I, I, I started to love my husband again, you know, sex drive increased. I didn't feel stressed out. I was able to kind of be above the fray like we were just describing. And that's what I then offered to my clients over the next 10 years. I developed and refined the Gottfried Protocol so that other people could experience the grace of hormone balance. That's great. Okay, we have a question from Catherine D. 
What's the best way to boost testosterone in men and women without getting a testosterone shot or having to use a cream? Well, this woman is just uh, right up my alley because I'm a big fan of looking at how you eat, move, think, and supplement as a way of boosting your hormones or getting your hormones into balance again rather than just reaching from the beginning to bioidentical hormones. There's certainly a time and a place for those, but that's step three of the Gottfried Protocol. The first step is that you fill in nutritional gaps, which is what this woman's asking about, and the second step is that you take proven botanical therapies. So for step one, filling in those nutritional gaps, let me give you a few strategies there. And most of these have been proven in men. We know, for instance, that vitamin D raises testosterone. Vitamin D is like the miracle uh, supplement. You know, some people get enough from being in the sun each day, but most of us need to supplement, especially here in the Bay Area where I find that 80% of my clients are deficient, even the really smart, savvy ones. So vitamin D. Another one is zinc, and I'm a big fan of getting zinc from your food. You can get it from Napa cabbage. You can also get it from oysters. Sprouted grains help to boost testosterone. We know that burst training, especially with intermittent fasting in men, that's been shown to raise testosterone, L-carnitine, and also branched-chain amino acids. So those are some of the strategies that help. And then can I add on, Rebecca, just a couple of things that you want to stay away from? So two things you want to really limit, in fact, I would say get off of them completely, is uh, number one, sugar. And then number two, bisphenol A. Bisphenol A is known by most of you. You probably have heard of BPA and how it was removed from baby products recently, but we know that bisphenol A acts as a xenoestrogen, so it affects your estrogen receptors. It also is a thyroid disruptor, and lo and behold, it is an androgen disruptor, so it will lower your testosterone levels. This has mostly been proven in men, but especially men who are getting ready to start a family, who are you know, trying to take care of their fertility, you've got to limit the bisphenol A, very important. You just mentioned thyroid. Can you talk about the critical role that thyroid plays in hormone balance? We got a lot of questions about the thyroid, and it seems to be a real problem. 23 million people suffer from some type of thyroid disorder. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure, yeah. For the 23 million who struggle with their thyroid, the most common sources are um, either that they're low in thyroid function low in thyroid hormones, or they have something called autoimmune thyroiditis, which is where your immune system gets confused and starts to attack your thyroid. In fact, Dr. Oz talked about autoimmune thyroiditis as being like a frat party in your thyroid. You don't want to have a frat party in your thyroid. Not a good thing. So why is this on the rise? We don't really understand why it's on the rise. I suspect that it's related to environmental toxins, such as the endocrine disruptors that we were just talking about. So bisphenol A is a good example. Your living room couch actually contains flame retardants. Your mattress, if it's not organic, contains flame retardants. And flame retardants slow down your thyroid, disrupt your thyroid in about 12 different steps along the path of making thyroid hormone. So one of the most important things you can do is to limit limit the endocrine disruptors that you come up against. 
And we got some very hopeful news that came out just recently, and that is that when you take a probiotic, when you eat foods that are fermented and you're getting lots of that healthy bacteria in your gut, your microbiome and your microbiota, we know that this helps to reduce how much you absorb of endocrine disruptors, especially bisphenol A. So there's one tip for you in terms of the rise in thyroid dysfunction is to make sure that you have plenty of healthy bacteria. Consider supplementing with a good probiotic. So we have a question from Colleen C., and it brings up the thyroid again and its relationship with adrenal health. Can you please explain more about the connection between adrenal health and thyroid health? Sometimes it seems like insufficiency in one of those glands has a direct impact on the other. How can you tell which one is the underlying cause of imbalance? Well, Colleen is right on. This is a great question. And I would say that this may be the single most important gap that I see in conventional medicine. So what usually happens is a man or a woman walks in to see their doctor with a slow thyroid or maybe the autoimmune thyroiditis, the frat party I was just telling you about, and the knee-jerk response is that the clinician prescribes a thyroid prescription. And usually that's T4 or Synthroid. That's what I want to change. So this is a, a problem, and let me back up for a moment to explain why. What I've done with the Gottfried Protocol is to develop these three different steps for how to balance your hormones naturally. The first step is that you're filling nutritional gaps, like we were just talking about with testosterone. You're filling in that um, the zinc that you need and the vitamin D, et cetera. The second step is that you're taking proven botanicals. And then the third step is that you're taking bioidentical hormones, but at the lowest doses and for the shortest duration. And one thing that I think David Wolf described so beautifully is how we have to constantly be changing it up when it comes to hormone balance. You can't just go on your Synthroid and, you know, go on Siesta. You have to constantly be arrhythmic and disruptive with how you balance your hormones. You've got to change the game. Otherwise, you develop resistance. You've probably heard of insulin resistance where cells become numb to insulin. You can also develop resistance to these other hormones as well. So taking this situation that Colleen asked about, what we know is that a common reason why your thyroid gets slowed down and then maybe you get started on one of these medications like Synthroid or maybe even better, you have a doctor who's giving you natural desiccated thyroid such as Nature Thyroid or, or um, one of those prescriptions. What happens is sometimes people feel better temporarily and then they start to backslide. Or maybe you never start to feel better. And the common reason for that is that your adrenal function has not been addressed. So I know most of our listeners probably know about the adrenals. They're the little glands above your kidneys that secrete many of these sex hormones like cortisol and also progesterone and testosterone and your estrogens. And what I see is that a lot of people get started on thyroid medication and no one bothers to check their cortisol or no one bothers to pay attention to their stress management. 
And so these people start to feel better, and then they start to spiral downward again. They maybe feel tired, they lose their hair, they gain weight, they feel depressed. These are some of the common symptoms of a slow thyroid. So what we need to do, the solution here, is to work with both your adrenals and your thyroid at the same time. You want to, att- you want to test both of them. And you can test both of them just with the questionnaires that I have. You can also do blood testing. You can do saliva testing. And I think it's so important to realize that if you just go with probabilities, we know that it's, it's very common that it's the adrenal issue that's the underlying cause of the thyroid problem rather than the reverse. But the answer is to address both problems at the same time. So I'll give you an example. I just saw a woman yesterday who had adrenal function that was much worse than her thyroid problem. So her thyroid problem was minor. She had a TSH of about 3.0, and her adrenals were in much worse shape. So in that situation, it's kind of obvious that her adrenals are probably the root cause. The other thing you can do is you can take the questionnaire that I have in my book on page 24 where you can figure out, okay, I've got seven adrenal symptoms and I only have four thyroid symptoms, and that would point to the root cause being primarily adrenal. And for our listeners, you can also do a free and simplified version of my quiz. I'll give you the URL for that if that's all right with you, Rebecca. It's thehormonecurebook.com forward slash quiz, thehormonecurebook.com forward slash quiz. It's so important to get a baseline from which we can then work from. In the Hormone Cure, you have multiple questionnaires, and then you also have the information on how to interpret those questionnaires, and and they really help correctly identify the undiagnosed hormone problems that someone might be facing. I, of course, took the questionnaires, and like most women, I imagine, I came back with high cortisol. What are some great stress busters you can recommend? Because so many women I talk to really struggle with this cortisol issue. Oh, yes. Well, you're in very good company because, Rebecca, as I described, I, I'm a recovering stress junkie. So definitely high cortisol is something that I know very well. And there's a reason that it's Chapter 4 in my book. It's just a really important building block for getting your hormones into balance, and it's almost like the elephant in the room that most conventional doctors are not addressing, they're not testing, they're not even thinking about it. So here's a few of my favorite tips. Number one is to hit the pause button. And I gave you a few suggestions on that. You know, I happen to love to practice yoga and I'm a meditator and I know you are too, Rebecca. I I also love the Inner Balance app on my iPhone. It's something I do at the grocery store. It's a way that I can create more stress resilience. So another thing you can do is call a girlfriend. We know that talking to other women and doing what's known as tend and befriend, it's a really great way for women to manage their stress response. The whole goal here is that you you provide this coherence between your heart, your brain, and your body. You focus on positive emotions. Pause button. It's very important. Another strategy is holy basil. And Rebecca, I actually got some holy basil from Longevity Warehouse, and I've been using it in my smoothies and making some tonics like you have at the Longevity Conference. There's great data showing that holy basil 
acts as a tonic. It helps you to respond emotionally and, and psychologically in a more flexible way. We need this. The holy basil is fantastic. Love this stuff. Third strategy is phosphatidylserine. Phosphatidylserine, you can call it PS for short. This is an extract from cell membranes, and it actually adjusts your mood so that you can roll with the punches better. So for people with high cortisol, number one, hit the pause button. Number two, holy basil. Number three, phosphatidylserine. I've got about 97 other strategies in the book, and those start Mm -hmm. on page 100 in terms of different strategies that you can use to deal with high cortisol. So that's where our listeners can go if they want to learn more. Can you give a quick tip for the guys that are tuning in? Well, for the guys, yeah. Well, it turns out that if guys call a woman, that also works for them. <laughs> you know, the, there's a there's a guy who was the, the chairman of psychiatry at Stanford who said, if you're a guy and you want to be really healthy and live a long life, get married to a woman. If you're a woman and you want to be your healthiest and live a really long life, be with a girlfriend. Like there's there's a benefit to being around women that actually helps with the stress response. So that's a very good thing. And other things that I think are really helpful for guys, I find that guys really love to have external accountability. Women love this too, but I, I definitely find that guys are – the takers here. Maybe it's just all the years doing sports or maybe it's my husband. I have a little bias because I collect a lot of data on him. But external accountability, I think, can really help when it comes to the stress response. And that's one of the reasons why I like this Inner Balance app. So I would say that Inner Balance app where you measure something called your heart rate variability, heart rate variability. This is data from HeartMath Institute. This is really cool. It's a way that you can Increase your stress adaptability by training, by connecting to your heart, by breathing deeply. And here's the really cool part. This is true for both men and women. I used to think that the brain was in charge of telling your adrenal glands what to do, like how much of each hormone they should make and, you know, whether things need to be dialed down in your thyroid or in your gonads, which is ovaries for women, testicles for men. And it turns out that your heart is actually telling your brain to tell your adrenals what to do. So your heart is really where you want to focus, and that's true for both men and women. So external accountability, things like the Inner Balance app, there's even a free app on the iPhone called GPS for the Soul, where you can measure your heart rate variability just by putting your finger over the camera lens. Those work really well for both men and women. We've got a lot of questions about things like renegade chin hairs, acne, muffin tops, and back fat. Can you speak to those issues and what are some of the underlying causes that could be causing them? Well, you know I love it and I do the happy dance whenever you start talking about root causes, so thank you for that, Rebecca. So the root causes for for that list that you just gave very pretty broadly. You know, one of the things that happens, especially for women as they get older, is that testosterone can get out of balance. In fact, the the most common hormone imbalance that women have before menopause is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that's where you can get those renegade hairs that you were talking about, like on your chin or um, on your breasts, etc. So testosterone can be out of balance, and there's a few strategies for how to get testosterone into balance. 
A really important one is reducing the glycemic index of the food that you're eating. So it can be as simple as cutting out the sugar, eating foods that are lower in terms of glycemic index. So we're talking about blueberries here and avocados rather than eating bananas and mangoes that have a higher glycemic index. And it's been shown within seven days that you can actually reduce your testosterone by 20% if you're someone with polycystic ovarian syndrome. The other thing that it's been shown to help with is people with acne. It's been shown to reduce acne. Now, for the people who are noticing back fat, that's something that I do see a lot in both men and women. Women especially have it after having babies. I can tell you after I had my first baby, I caught a you know, a look at myself in the mirror at a, a store and I, I just could not believe the fat deposits on my back and they were necessary. They were part of the breastfeeding that I was doing, but oh my gosh, they totally took me by surprise. And that's usually related to some of the hormone changes that happen with your hormones of metabolism. So we can highlight a few of those here. Some of the hormones of metabolism include your thyroid, which we've talked about a little bit, and high cortisol. Another hormone of metabolism is insulin. We were talking earlier about insulin resistance, where your cells become numb to insulin. And what I was just talking about with reducing your glycemic index of the food that you eat, that's one of the ways that you can reset the insulin receptor. What we want with all of these hormones metabolism, and there's more of them, there's leptin, there's estrogen imbalanced with progesterone in women and estrogen imbalanced with testosterone in men. These are some of the highlights of the hormones and metabolism that you want to pay attention to. And what we want is we want to have really good molecular sex happening between the hormone and the hormone receptor. Rebecca, every time I get on the phone with you, I feel like I talk about sex. But here we're talking about molecular sex. I didn't know who was going to bring it up first. I read that in your book, Candace Hurst, Molecular Sex. And I was like, I'm just going to throw it out there and say, can you explain molecular sex? So please continue on. Yeah, well, That's another way great, to think about idea. this. I So we, you know, it's interesting. So many of us have been focused on our hormones and our hormone levels and, you know, my cortisol is too high, my estrogen's too low, but we want to look beyond just the hormone levels. We want to look at how the hormone functions in the body. And a really key part of that is how the hormone fits into the receptor, which is usually inside the cell. There's some receptors that are on the outside of the cell, but most are on the inside of the cell or they're on the nucleus of the cell. So I'm joking about the sex between the hormone and the receptor, and this is a molecular sex is a term that Candace Pert actually brought into the world, so let me credit her. But it's, it's basically like a lock and key where you have, let's take insulin and its receptor as an example. Insulin is like the lock on the door of a cell. And you need to put insulin like a key into the receptor, into the lock on the door of the cell to open up the cell and to regulate your glucose level. And so when the key does not fit in the lock, say, for instance, you have insulin resistance, then the lock is jammed and insulin can't fit into the receptor and open the door to the cell. 
what we want is we just want to have a really easy relationship. You know how you have some of those keys where you open the door to your house or to your car and the key just works perfectly every time? And then you have some of those keys where you just have to jiggle it and it's kind of high maintenance and it's just a pain in the neck? That's what hormone resistance is like. So we want to pay attention not just to these hormones metabolism, but also to the problem of hormone resistance. And that's what can lead to things like the back fat and the difficulty losing weight, no matter what you try. So you pay for weight loss because we really did get so many questions about this and all the different phases of a woman's life, including perimenopause, postmenopause, during menopause, after pregnancy, what are some quick tips that you can give our listeners so that they can begin to address these issues in a proactive manner with this understanding? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say, first of all, your food is such an important part of the equation. You know, a lot of us want to focus on the magic pill. What's the magic supplement? How about green coffee beans? Is that going to be the miracle cure? And I'm telling you, I'm still waiting for the miracle cure. Like, it it comes down to food is about 70% of the equation. So the food that you put in your mouth is a really important part of improving the molecular sex that's happening between the hormones metabolism and the receptors in your body. And if we just take insulin, for instance, we know that if you are getting plenty of vegetables, and I encourage people to have a minimum of a pound of vegetables a day, and you have that together with lean protein so that you're having a low glycemic index food plan, that's one of the most effective ways to reset the molecular sex between insulin and its receptor. The other important strategy is to apply the 80-20 rule. And our listeners probably have heard this rule before, maybe in economics, maybe not applied to hormones, but I think it should be applied to hormones. We want to focus on the 20% of effort that yields 80% of the results. And that's certainly true when it comes to weight loss and resetting the hormones and metabolism. So for women, what I suggest is that you focus on the hormonal Charlie's Angels, your cortisol, your estrogen, and your thyroid. And for the guys, I recommend focusing on your hormonal three amigos, your cortisol, your testosterone, and your thyroid. And Rebecca, actually, my next book is going to be on how to reset these seven hormones and metabolism in three-day cycles. And the cool part here, Rebecca, I'll just add one quick thing. You know, a lot of people hear this and they just start to roll their eyes, you know, like, oh, great, I've got to fix these seven hormones and metabolism. That feels like such a big project. I don't want to do that. And I'm telling you, you can actually turn these problems around within three days, which I think is such a hopeful, exciting message. So you can reset your hormone problems like insulin resistance. You can do that in three days. So I really encourage people to focus on how they eat, move, think, and supplement as a way of resetting these hormones and metabolism. So you just mentioned estrogen, and we got a number of questions around estrogen. Can you talk about the good estrogen versus bad estrogens, and Arena has submitted a question on what's the most efficient way to decrease the levels of bad estrogen naturally. Well, this is a great question. I think it overlaps with some of the awesome work that David Wolf has done. 
Um, when I think about estrogens, the way I, I think about them, because I like to make this stuff astonishingly simple, and as you know, the biochemistry can get pretty complicated, I think about estrogens as being good and less good. And Dave talks about how you want to prevent estrogen from doing a backflip and turning into the less good or the bad type of estrogen. We know that one of the ways that you can prevent that from happening is making sure that you have plenty of methylation, methylation. And I think of methylation as being this big hook that kind of comes in and removes the bad estrogens or the less good estrogens. How do you methylate more? Well, we know that magnesium helps you methylate. We also know that beets are very effective. In fact, there's a methylator known as betaine. It's named after beets. So beets are very effective. There's something called L-methylfolate. I happen to have a problem with methylation in my body, so I have to take a multivitamin that contains L-methylfolate. So these are some of the ways that you can prevent the bad estrogens from developing in your body. We also know that cruciferous vegetables are really important. They help you make more of the good estrogens and fewer of the bad estrogens. You just have to be careful about eating them in the raw form because there can be effects on your thyroid. And I'm really, this might be worth just diving into for a moment because I know a number of our listeners are eating a raw plant-based diet. And I'm not saying that raw food is bad. You know, I'm a big fan of having the right food plan for each individual, whatever that is. And overall, I think the, the benefits of eating cruciferous vegetables, even in their raw form, probably outweigh the risks to your thyroid, for instance. We do know that soy, and probably GMO soy is even worse, can slow down the thyroid. So I really recommend that people with thyroid issues are careful about consuming GMO soy. You know, don't ever have that, and you want to limit soy consumption, even the non-GMO type. So we're talking about estrogen here, but you can see how you can quickly start to talk about the other hormones because the cruciferous vegetables in general are good for estrogen, but maybe slightly less good for the thyroid. So let me try to stay back on track. You asked about, you know, one of the fastest ways or efficient ways that you can balance your estrogen, and I find for women who are 45 plus, that one of the most effective things you can do is to take maca. I'm a big fan of maca as a superfood. It's also known as Peruvian ginseng. You just have to be careful about it once again because it can potentially slow down the thyroid. I couldn't find much good evidence on this, good randomized trials, but it's just something to be aware of if you notice that your thyroid symptoms are coming back while your estrogen is getting better. So just watch out for that because they are inversely related. Great. The other hormone that people had questions about was progesterone. And so Jennifer A. asked, what are some of the things that can be done to increase progesterone? Yeah, this is another fantastic question because I find that many women starting in their 30s, typically around 35, will start to run low in progesterone. And you know, for some people that shows up as more anxiety. For other people, they just have a hard time soothing themselves. Maybe PMS gets worse. And then for other women, they may be trying to get pregnant and they may find that their fertility is not what it could be. So I've got a few strategies to help you with your progesterone. I go through many of them in chapter five of my book. 
but I'll just give you a couple kind of off the top of my head. One is vitamin C. So vitamin C, 750 milligrams a day, which is a very low dose, has actually been shown to raise your progesterone level. And that would be Gottfried protocol step one. Step two is to take a proven botanical therapy. And here we know that chaseberry and also saffron is quite effective at helping with progesterone levels. I'm a big fan of chaseberry. It's mostly been studied in terms of the best evidence, randomized trials in women who are trying to get pregnant and were unsuccessful or didn't want to jump to some of the fertility medications. And it was found that chaseberry raised their serum progesterone levels and it also helped them increase their fertility. And there was a higher birth rate. This is a study that came out of Stanford that I talk about in my book. So those are my two favorite strategies, vitamin C and then herbs such as chaseberry. Those are great options for people who are really trying to achieve hormone balance using proven botanicals, as you mentioned in your Gottfried protocol, which leads me to my last question, and that is, what are just some of your absolute top go-to herbs, foods that help orchestrate a perfect hormonal balance based on what you've done for your body and what you've seen many women do for theirs? Mm. Well, I I really believe that food is such a major part of the equation, so I really appreciate how you frame this. And I have to smile because number one would be avocado, and I love that Dave goes by David Avocado Wolf, so I, I have to honor him by saying avocado would be front and center. It's my favorite fruit. You know, there's certain fruits that I think are just very important superfoods, avocados, olives, blueberries, Coconuts, those are my absolute favorites because they really help you with balancing your hormones. It especially helps you with your leptin levels. And I find that a lot of people are leptin resistant in addition to being insulin resistant, and that's why they're struggling with their weight. So that would be number one is, you know, my favorite foods, favorite fruits. And then number two would be quinoa. So, um, I paused there because I was trying to decide whether I should say kale or greens or quinoa next, but I, I think I'm just going to have that be a tie between greens and quinoa. Quinoa, as you know, is not a grain. It's a seed. I think it's just a really fantastic um, source of protein, and I I love to eat it with kale. So. Um, I'm a big fan of greens. I think of kale as being not a vegetable, but actually a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> so that, those are my favorite foods that I've really found have been most effective for me and also for the men and women I care for. Great. Thank you so much. So for those of you that have been tuning in, this has been a great interview with Dr. Sarah Gottfried, author of The Hormone Cure. I'm telling you, this is one of the most comprehensive explanations of how to achieve perfect hormone balance that I've come across in over 10 years of research working for The Best Day Ever and Longevity Warehouse and the Longevity Now conferences. I highly recommend picking up a copy of this book, filling out the questionnaires as I did, and then beginning to address the underlying causes of what's going on in your body. Empower yourself to make the best health choices ever This book really helps you do that. 
So thank you again for joining us. You can see live clips of Dr. Sarah Gottfried during our free replay of the Longevity Now conference where she talks about hormone health for men and women. Those start June 28th and run till June 30th. Completely free live replays of the Longevity Now conference. Dr. Sarah, again, thank you so very much. Oh, my pleasure, Rebecca. Thank you, and thanks to all of our listeners today. This program was brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com. Thanks for listening.